0: Into every generation there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two two girls. Who is this guy? She is. This might have been a big miss stake. Stake! S-T-A-K-E, like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. Welcome to a new episode of Big Mistake. I'm Melissa. Hi y'all, I'm Aditi. And today we are here to talk about season one, episode nine of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Puppet Show. Let's do it. Let's unlock some memories I have hidden from talent shows. Were you in talent shows as a child? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> don't sound so excited to recount these <laughs> memories. <laughs> So, I will say, I was in my um, elementary school talent show, and it was a different time. All I remember is there was a small child, small, and he did a rendition of Pretty Fly for a White Guy, and (laughs) that small child uh, got away with saying ass, and everybody was shocked. A legend. A legend in his own right. (laughs) True. A true legend. 20 years later, we still speak of him. (laughs) In hushed, reverent tones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, I was in a talent show in the fifth grade. Myself and four other young children did a synchronized dance to NSYNC's Bye Bye Bye. Bye. (laughs) Well, hello, hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I had uh I had locked that memory away nice and tidy, like and then watching this I was like, oh, I'm transported to a simpler time. A pre nine eleven era. So my experience with talent shows is uh much like being on yearbook, I, I gravitated <laughs> towards another some might describe as uncool, sort of extracurricular activity, which was the communications magnet. It was basically like a fancy AV club. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually really cool. Like, we were the ones who did this cool news show. And no, I'm hearing it, it's not cool. <laughs> But but we were in charge of, like, filming everything that happened of note around the school. So, like, this was in high school. And, and people, I don't know, for some reason felt compelled to do something on a school-wide stage. And my job was to monitor different camera feeds and splice them together. Aww. I don't think we had a talent show in high school. I think that that would have been too cruel Uh, I just think, like, children aren't very talented. Like, uh, apologies. Yeah, never forget, we are anti-baby here. (laughs) I grew up in a home that was very, very loving, but was not delusional. So, like, in middle (laughs) school, I was also... uh, I'm not really selling myself, but, like, in middle school, I, um, dabbled in theater. Our own Lynn manuel Miranda... (laughs) uh yes 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 i too love to rap and so in middle school i was in local theater and i was in our town's production of tom sawyer and i'll never forget because like my parents refused to attend any of the shows that cost maybe a dollar more of- for a ticket because they were like this is not going to be good so they went to one matinee showing look they knew what they were getting <laughs> And the joke's on them, because you grew up to be a famous podcaster, and they could have seen you when you were just a young LMM struggling (laughs) to find your spotlight. Can someone please give me a beat? Someone please give me a shot. (laughs) You're a secret... I guess not so secret dislike of Lin Manuel Miranda is one of my favorite things about you because I'm pretty sure that was like on par with saying like you hated America at some point. And it's he's just exhausting, and I'm sorry to say. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. What if the founding fathers rapped? Interesting. Tell me more. Would this also make Shakespeare palatable to me? (laughs) Would it teach me to math? I enjoy Hamilton for the record, but I do understand that it appeals to a level of earnestness that is just eminently punchable. Look, I love all my friends who love LMM, and I love this for you. (laughs) Enjoy yourselves. Love what you love. Live, laugh, love. I support you. Live, laugh, Lin-Manuel. I heard somewhere that Immortal Technique, an actual rapper... He used, to go, he used to go to school with LMM, and he used to shove him into lockers. And that is the image that has sustained me through quarantine, is Immortal Technique just shitting on Lin-Manuel. <laughs> anyway, the puppet show. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's, let's get into the episode summary. Sunnydale High School's annual talent show serves as a backdrop for murder. When Buffy must catch a knife-wielding thief of human organs. Meanwhile, the new principal is a discipline-loving brute who forces Giles to run the talent show and orders Buffy, Xander, and Willow to perform. Y'all, I miss Flutie. <laughs> okay, let's do let's do our first impressions. What did you think of new sheriff in town, Principal Snyder? I think we should defund the police. He is not <laughs> good. I don't care for Snyder. I, I will say when I saw this episode as a youth, I too felt violated by the presence <laughs> of a school administrator in my very home. <laughs> the way he captured a lot of how I viewed school administration as a youth mm. is sort of like how Cordelia captured a lot of that sort of mean girl spirit that sometimes mm-hmm. kids can have. It was the right time in my life for it to ring extremely true, and I was like, I don't appreciate any of this, and I hate it. But now, as an adult, I think Principal Snyder is very fun. Wow, what does it say about me that I have not evolved uh, into getting there? I don't know, I think that like he captures a lot of the like arbitrary cruelty that administrators have, especially when they have power over kids. I did not like that. I didn't like how creepy he was when alone with Buffy did not enjoy that. I just miss, I miss R.O.G., man. Yeah, well, maybe if he wasn't so soft and lovable, he wouldn't have gotten eaten, as Principal Snyder said, in no uncertain terms. Yeah, so I guess it's canon that he was legit eaten. Yeah, of course he was eaten. <laughs> there, was, there was no ambiguity. What a weird thing to just accept. And also, like, what a weird... It's like buying a home that there was, like, a a mysterious haunting in or something. Like, you know there's some weird shit, but you're just gonna do it anyway. Yeah, it's like being a defense against the dark arts teacher at Hogwarts. Oh, and yet you don't like Lin-Manuel. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did not. My first impression of Snyder was unsubscribe. I, I know that he does come off very creepy in this episode lurking in the dark while Buffy is alone. And my beef with that is I think this episode was written in a sort of twisty-turny, convoluted way to throw up a lot of red flags mm. to keep you guessing about who the killer is. Yeah, And I think that was done to the detriment of Principal Snyder's character. Because he's really only doing that to make you suspect him of maybe being a murderer. Yeah, I think my first impressions of the episode were at first I was like, oh, this is pretty straightforward, but I appreciated the twist. Yeah, so the writers of this episode, they're a screenwriting duo named Rob De Hotel, Des DeShotel, D-E-S-H-O-T-E-L, The Hotel, Rob the Hotel, <laughs> and Dean Batali. This screenwriting duo also wrote Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, R.I.P. Owen. R.I.P. Owen. Oh, wait. Owen's still alive. Goodbye forever, Owen. (laughs) You know, in another world, Owen would have read an Emily Dickinson poem at the talent show. He would have recited his own (laughs) Emily-inspired poetry. Maybe he would have done slam poetry like a young LMM. (laughs) I cannot think of anything worse than Emily Dickinson-inspired slam poetry. I do have a question though for you. Yes. Who should we talk about? For is it cute? Is it cute? I have Sid the Dummy. Mm-hmm. I have Morgan mm-hmm. the the Dummy Wrangler. Mm-hmm. And I have Mark the uh, the Close Up Magician <laughs> slash Demon. <laughs> Which is worse? Yeah, yeah. I just did not have time for his illusions. (laughs) I think that we just didn't get a lot of time with Mark, and so it's hard to flesh out if his personality is cute. But I think I'm going to go on a limb and say no. Fans, (laughs) I would venture to say that for Aditi, her Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show that she watched growing up that is a source of great comfort to her and influence on her life, I would say is Gilmore Girls. Is that fair? Yes. Oh no. <laughs> In Gilmore Girls there is a character called Jess and he wears leather jackets like Angel <laughs> and and he's also kind of a bad boy like Angel but the yeah. way that you know he's bad is that he practices the demonic art of the <laughs> sleight of hand. So he's always like making quarters disappear mm-hmm. like a like a real bad boy and <laughs> that's kind of the vibe i get from demon mark i except i think he instead of the um the bad boy angel aesthetic that jess is trying to pull off i think he's trying to pull off the brad pitt in fight club aesthetic with his sideburns and his hair and his kind of like (laughs) cartoon clown clothing so he is fight club jess You are intentionally leaving out the part that makes him arguably a hottie, which is the fact that he reads. He's literate. (laughs) Jess is very literate. He does read. Mm Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is, this is, uh, this is, this is where Melissa and I do not have a Venn diagram of overlap. She once referred to him as a as an emotionally abusive close-up magician, and I will hate him forever. I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that Mark and Jess have a lot in common, because we really didn't get to know Mark. Like, if we had more time with him, and if we saw him, I don't know, in the corner, reading Franny and Zoe, I would have been like, dang, sign me up for that. But we never saw him reading, just sliding of handing. That's true. Maybe he was uh, carefully concealing a book. (laughs) I will say physically, Mark, eh. Personality, cute, eh. I would say demon Mark, not cute, but bold. Oh, okay. Yeah, he really put himself out there, demon style. Because he did it on stage? Yes, he was very bold. (laughs) He was like... Mrs. Monique Samuels of The Real Housewives of Potomac in that he has everything and he would throw it all away to beat down someone he doesn't like. Yeah, and I respect that. I will say for me, Sid, initially I was like, not cute, pervy little demon. And then I was like, huh, pervy little demon hunter. So for Sid... The dummy, I felt like, you know, physically, not very cute. Mm-mm. There was one point in the episode where he and Morgan were wearing matching outfits and like, maybe that's a little cute. you are partners. <laughs> I like the camaraderie. Personality cute. I feel like there's a reference there that I'm just not getting. Because throughout the show, Buffy's like, haha, the classic trope of the horny dummy. Yeah. What? Is that a classic trope? I have never heard of this before, and I think like maybe he was trying to channel an old-timey comedian or someone that I just don't have the reference for. I have not seen a lot of ventriloquism, because I have taste. <laughs> I haven't dabbled <coughs> in the ventriloquist arts. I'm very popular, so I'm too busy to go see ventriloquism in the flesh, but... One can surmise that maybe some of the humor is that this character says all of the outre things that you can't say in public. And, you know, there there's the comedy in that, kind of calling out social norms or things of that nature. But again, I must reiterate, I've not seen ventriloquism because, again, I am very popular. So there was that comedian a while ago, I think his name is Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham was the guy who had Achmed the Terrorist, which is, shall we say, capital R racist? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Yep. not ideal, not ideal. And you know what? I googled him because I knew in my bones that I had experienced (laughs) in my lifetime a popular ventriloquist comedian in the mainstream, but my mind was unwilling to accept that truth. So I had to investigate. And I looked him up, And he has a fucking world record for amount of tickets sold for a comedy tour. Dude. He is in the Guinness Book of World Records because America could not get enough of racist ventriloquism. (laughs) Dude, like 2005 or 2000 or whenever he was popular was like a while. I cannot impress upon our younger listeners what a weird time it was. A world record for Ahmed the Terrorist. I... I don't know what to do with that information. Shocking. Shocking. (laughs) Well, going from Jeff Dunham to a much cuter ventriloquist, I liked Morgan. You liked Morgan. What did you like about him? I liked that he wore the same outfit every day, committing to a look. Um, I love the consistency. Yes. I love the consistency. I also just think it's incredibly sweet of a small child to think that this is what's going to garner him high school fame. So personality, cute. So our paths (laughs) diverge on Morgan. (laughs) I got distinctly Zuckerbergian vibes from him. (laughs) Because he wore the same outfit, yeah. Well, I actually didn't notice the same (laughs) outfit, but, but he had a sort of, um, like robotic alien, uh, sort of vibe to him. If he were to cut his hair like a Roman statue, I think... Uh, I mean, the only way we'll really know if Morgan is like Zuckerberg is if he turns around. That's true. <laughs> we didn't see any footage of his good side. <laughs> Can we close? Is this cute? Is it cute? One more thing. I I don't think Sid is cute. One thing I do think is cute is that he runs around like a like a little creepy toddler trying to stab people. And you see the knife in some shots and it's real. But when the knife is in Sid's hand, <laughs> it is clearly a fake plastic knife. And I think it's very cute that whatever he holds becomes the dummy version of it. Yeah, that's cute. Sid is cute. Sometimes. I think I think we disagree on every every villain this time, which is new. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, we do. But I guess the real villain is shows. <laughs> What a horrible thing yeah. to make a child do. Okay, so should we talk about the fashion? Let's do it. Slay or nay? I am really curious to hear what you think about Buffy's leopard print dress. Because I thought it was so cute, but also very anxiety inducing. Because it was so Short, and I just kept picturing like if I was wearing it, I would be constantly uncomfortable because I would be worried about indecent exposure. See, I don't really understand Sunnydale ISD because the tax base is one thing, the recruitment process for teachers is one thing, and the fact that nobody seems to care about dress code that was just the easiest thing for administration in my high school to get after. You could be literally failing and they wouldn't care, but God help you if your skirt was below or above or whichever way you're looking at it, your middle finger. Hopefully you're not looking at it from an underneath. Angle. <laughs> you don't know the high school I went to. Alright. <laughs> there, there there's some there's some darkness there. Yeah, so I don't really understand that. I of course loved it, but again, I'm employing a gaze of a thirty year old woman who would wear that <laughs> theoretically out if we could go out. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. I also loved that it was pretty much the same length as her leather jacket, which is not supposed to be a long jacket. No, it's short skirt, short jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. in extreme danger all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I also loved her like black square tank with the small hoop earrings. I thought that that was such a chic look. I would wear that now. I thought it looked great on her. Yeah, I thought it was surprisingly adult mm-hmm. based on her other outfits, because the other thing she's wearing is like a pink velvet tank top and chunky silver hoop earrings and stuff. And it's very, um, it's very Claire's. Mm-hmm. But that black square neck thing was really sophisticated, especially compared to compared to everything else which I also love yeah it was just a a dramatic variation for her yeah and I think she really pulled it off I agree I loved everything we got a little bit of Cordelia which was great I loved her shiny shirt at the beginning I thought it was (laughs) great that's what I said too we're such suckers for a silver shirt honestly take me back to a simpler time As someone who recently got into the fiber arts this year, I really enjoyed her knit sweater, her short sleeve sweater, her white knit. Mm -hmm. Thought it Mm -hmm. looked great on her. I just, I mean, I love her. I Again, poor Willow. She had like two outfits last episode that I was like, cool, this looks awesome. And then they stuck her in a rubber ducky t-shirt. Like that outfit in particular really struck a chord with me because I would have 100% worn that exact thing all the way down like the shirt emblazoned with a sort of like not quite far enough away from childhood to be an ironic little kid thing. That's that's my question. Would you have tried to pass it off as ironic or would you have been too close? I could have said I wanted to pass it off as ironic but it would have been too close. Like I had shirts with like the Muppets on them Aww. and stuff. when you were a baby. A Muppet baby. I mean I still love the Muppets and I would still wear those shirts but it was too close. I, In hindsight, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. But like the shirt with the hoodie and like you just throw on a necklace that doesn't go with anything because it makes you feel like, you know, you're dressing it up even though it just looks terrible. The youth consultant they had for Willow was pretty real. Yeah. <laughs> the like lime green sweater that they put her in is just rough because it's just not a good look. I just like poor Willow. At least Willow gets interesting stuff. I feel like Xander is just in like hideous stripes like all the time. There was nothing really about Xander that stuck out to me this episode except for his black shirt with the very bold blue and yellow stripes on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me think of clothing you would see painted on a Lego person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I I know what you're saying. Yeah, again, eh, it was fine. I will say one character's ensemble I loved really is the history teacher with her her green like gingham suit like her suit jacket and her skirt the one who confiscated Sid I just thought it was like great she clearly was like this is a power look I am powerfully dressed and she was she woke up that morning and she was like you know what there might be a new principal (laughs) but I'm still dressing for Bob and she put on her power suit she did she did Yeah, overall, overall, you know, couple of slays, couple of nays. A lot of middle. Not a super interesting episode, sartorially. Agreed. Agreed. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, fans. It's Melissa and Aditi, hosts of pop culture juggernaut Big Miss Steak. In the face of our overwhelming and undeniable success, we are taking the next logical step, Patreon. Now, for the low, low price of a few dollars per month and the last remaining shreds of our self-respect, you can buy access to titillating verbal nudes straight from our saucy little brains. That's right, we're provocative. Get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes Lin-Manuel Miranda slander and Animorphs Analysis, as well as an endless fount of childhood and adulthood humiliations. After all, the biggest cell phones only exist behind a paywall. As always, this commercial is a joke. Y'all know we'll share that stuff for free. Let's begin this episode. So we open with a very creepy voiceover and a focus on a dancer doing like ballerina stretches in a locker room. Real predatory vibes in this scene. Yeah, not great. Not great. We see the camera wandering through the backstage, showing us all of the talent that Sunnydale High School has to offer. People really go all out for the talent show. They really do. Yeah. And they're so diverse in their skills. Yeah, I was I was impressed. And then we found the one thing that Cordelia is bad at, God bless her. But the confidence, the confidence. The confidence. Oh, she needs to teach classes. I just, I really enjoy her song choice. <laughs> Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. And watching her sing that is my greatest love of all. Whitney Houston is like a supremely talented singer. You have to be really good and Cordelia is not. But she let the spirit move her. She let the shimmer move her from her shirt. And then we see our poor sweet Giles is somehow the ringleader of this seven ring circus. This parade of the grotesque. Indeed. So there's been some discussion in previous episodes about whether Giles is a dad or a daddy. Mm. And I have to say, uh, Giles judging is kind of doing it for me. Yeah, it yeah, yeah I see it. I think, I think brooding might be your thing and judging and mocking is kind of my thing. <laughs> your emotional core. My emotional core. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. It's probably not great. You know what? You know what? Now's <laughs> not the time to get into it. We have a talent <laughs> show to judge. You're right. The show must go the on. The show must go on. So we see Daddy watching <laughs> judging, and then we meet the new principal, who we whom we have discussed. Not a fan, but then our slayerettes come and they're so cute and they tease Giles. So let me let me tell you a little bit about the actor who plays Principal Snyder. Because he's a familiar face. Principal Snyder, the actor who plays him, is called Armin Shimmerman. (laughs) Why is that funny? It's a man's name. (laughs) Rude. Armin Shimmerman is also famous for playing a Ferengi bartender on Star Trek Deep Space Nine called Quark. Mm -hmm. That's, um, I think, what people most know him for. And he is also a voice actor, which I didn't know. His voice acting work includes a lot of video games, including Dr. Nefarious from Ratchet and & Clank and Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. And what's super cool is he's also an adjunct professor at USC who teaches Shakespeare. Principal Snyder could teach you Shakespeare if you go to USC. What if he taught you Shakespeare and then Lynn manuel Miranda taught you how to rap and then you could be rapping Shakespeare? I'm exhausted thinking about it. I just the the earnestness with which he wraps American history is very difficult for me to accept. And and look, I don't say this to um to try and and cast any doubt upon LMM's talent. I'm sure he's he's very enthralling to watch for you i love it for you (laughs) i love this i don't know why i feel so much like guilt and shame (laughs) for not being enthusiastic about him it's just not for me you know i think that that's great (laughs) I, i think i operate in a liminal space that is very rare wherein i am very appreciative of his work and also deeply embarrassed by how much i love it No, I love it, though. I love watching you try to justify your dislike for a zeitgeist. It's not even that I don't dislike him. I just am not... I don't want to pay hundreds of dollars to see him... Hundreds? My good sir, it's thousands. Oh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't pay hundreds. (laughs) I'm definitely not going to pay thousands. (laughs) Mr. Pence, be nice to us. (laughs) Mr. Pence, please. (laughs) Please. Should we go back to the episode? (laughs) Yes. I don't even remember where we were. (gasps) Uh, Right. So we meet Principal Snyder for the first time. And he is swaggering around trying to make a big name for himself. Bossing around Giles. Bossing around our Slayerettes. And he is just so comically over the top evil. (laughs) I really enjoy. Like, he's he's a lovable villain, I think. Mm, Okay. I need to spend more time with him. I also just love how explicit he is about how kindness will get you killed and eaten by your students. Quite literally, he's he's, he's there to live. (laughs) So then we see Morgan take the stage Mm -hmm. and he starts off trying to be a ventriloquist. Clearly, he is not. And I wonder, because he seems to know later on in the episode that Sid has a mind of his own. Mm hmm. Do you think that this doll was passed down to him? How did they become one? <laughs> Honestly, I think Morgan was looking for some flair, for some personality, <laughs> and I think he thought this is what would push him over the edge. I bet he went to a magician's store, a store for illusions, and he purchased Sid. But what was Sid? doing in the store because Sid's a demon hunter. I think he knew it was his way of getting exposure. He had to be used. So Sid, he is he's fresh off a murder, right? And he he somehow makes it to Sunnydale because the demons are attracted to the Hellmouth energy. <laughs> and he posts up in a magic store because he knows that one day a partner will come along. Oh, but he mentions in the episode that he teams up with Morgan on purpose because Morgan is very smart. Yes. Despite his deficient brain. Very rude how they treated him in this episode, by the way. Not great. <laughs> so he must have sought Morgan out somehow. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm ready to see the prequel. I am too. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh one thing I will say about the pacing is that they they did the switcheroo like pretty late in the episode and mm-hmm. I liked it, but I wish we had a little bit more time with the background of Sid because those are some interesting questions. Yeah. And I think something they did do, which I enjoyed, maybe at this at the expense of Sid's background, was uh give us little vignettes of like different students and student life oh, in Sunnydale. I loved that. It was very law and order. I I loved it too. And we so far in the show we haven't really seen this sort of Sunnydale High slice of life Mm -hmm. that their Law and Order interviewing has provided us in this episode. I mean, even in the beginning, we see the Slayerettes all together not talking about a demon or an apocalypse or something. And it's nice to just see them dunk on Giles <laughs> as friends who are not in crisis yeah like getting to see like the different children who go to school there and I think it's also very funny because they try to play Cordelia as like vapid and vain but she's smart and vain we exist because of her NAFTA knowledge I just think that she's smart because she's very quick I don't think that you are un. I don't think that you're unintelligent if you are like that quick on your feet I agree with you I think Cordelia is really smart too I think they do a really good job with Cordelia as a layered character, and they go more into her character later on in the show. So, yeah, so we see Morgan and Sid do their initial routine, and at first, first you're laughing, and then you're like, ooh, Sid is mean. And then I think we cut to the locker room, and damn, this show goes from zero to a (laughs) hundred. Yep. Again, nothing good ever happens in that locker room. I don't know why everybody doesn't just, like, boycott and shower at home. <laughs> yeah, and so, again, the death rate is very high on, in this town. It it is, it it is concerning. We find out that the dancer's heart was removed, and then we see our Slayerettes and Giles, you know, try to figure out, was she killed by a regular human or a demon? Yeah, so there's this new element where, yes... There are demons everywhere, but also humans can be bad, too, and that's something that they haven't really faced before. (laughs) Yes. So, like, because Buffy can't slay a human. No, she can't. Then we get into that really cute, like, that pacing of that scene was really, really cute between, like, the different students that they interview about, like, the dancer, and then I really enjoyed the dancer-band rivalry. I did not know that was a phenomenon. I made a note of that, too, because... I could understand maybe a band-drill team rivalry, mm. but the the woman who got murdered was just, like, a ballerina, and the entire band hated yeah. her. <laughs> she always takes their precious funds. I, yeah, this one dancer. In your high school, was band the powerful voting block that it was in my high school? My high school's football team was um, notoriously underperforming. <laughs> So the band was much better because they like won awards and stuff. And were were you in band? No. Again, Melissa, I was very popular. Ah, I see. <laughs> but I mean, the the band was a very powerful voting block. It was. So why I mentioned that is because in my high school, the band was who you needed to get to win prom king, prom queen, student government, it was it was it was powerful yeah i just remember the band director being like a comically evil disney villain at my <laughs> high school because like the band was the thing that got all the awards and i guess brought in money for the school so like
1: yeah. he
0: had Uh, like unlimited power within Mm. my high school and everyone (laughs) was always like bending over backwards for him and then he got caught embezzling all the money incredible he was like a successful mr g (laughs) yes he was like before he got caught stealing from children um he he was always trying to pull these like dick power moves and honestly I think I'm still traumatized because I harbor a lot of resentment towards band directors even now as an adult. What did you play? I was only in band in junior high and I played percussion. Aw, that's the popular people, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> can I tell you what I played in middle school for a grand total of 1 week before I switched to a different instrument? Were you a flautist? Uh, my dear, I played the bassoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's cute. It is cute. <laughs> really uh raising my profile at middle school. Really. Really adding to my stock. Yeah, yeah. Uh anyway. <laughs> this whole show is just one cell phone. It's just one I, big mistake. I know. I know. <laughs> so yeah, so we have that back and forth. Oh, I just want to point out during this like vignettes series where they interview everybody full disclosure before I rewatched this it had been a while and this is not one of my favorite episodes so I don't usually go back and watch it very often so I had forgotten who the real villain was (laughs) and when I saw Mark for the first time my notes were I can't believe that Giles is talking to this close-up magician like he's a person to be taken seriously (laughs) well now we know he's a demon he has no shame no, we don't. We see my son Morgan bringing his demon doll to class, which is very embarrassing. This was also something that I that maybe gave me Zuckerberg vibes, <laughs> where like no reasonable person would do this, like for flair. The only way that you could decide, yes, I will bring my ventriloquist dummy to class and sit with my hand in it so that it looks like he's doing things, is <laughs> if you just watch a lot of movies about human society <laughs> and then just sort of like play fast and loose. So he does that and it's it's, it's very awkward. <laughs> and so he gets in trouble and then the teacher with the impeccable suit takes Sid away. Um, R.I.P. Sid R.I.P. Sid and then we cut to another scene where Buffy is trying to look for Sid and then she is confronted by Principal Schneider which was awkward I love her rings and her silver manicure yeah an image that is forever burned into my brain is Buffy like spinning the combination lock and then just slamming it yeah it's it's something that made a vivid impression on me as a young child Mm mm-hmm this is I, I feel like this scene is a really good example of the sort of like fun villain that I sense in Principal Snyder. It's like over the top villainry, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So so quote he says here is, there are things I will not tolerate. Students loitering on campus after school, horrible murders <laughs> with hearts being removed <laughs> and also smoking. Like that's a great, <laughs> a great fun villain principal. Yeah. So then we get to finding out what Sid, we think Sid wants to do, which is Bicentennial Man himself, which is a reference to a Robin Williams movie. Oh, is that the one where he's a (laughs) C-3PO? And he gives himself bits, like organ bits. What? I thought he was a robot. He's a robot that has to survive on human parts. No, he's a robot and he like slowly becomes human. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh. I found it very touching as a small child. I completely reimagined <laughs> the plot of Bicentennial Man when you made that comment. <laughs> Joyce and Buffy ah, oh, yes, have a scene where Joyce tries to be a good mom. And she's like, finally, something I understand. A talent show. I can work with this. And Buffy is like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> we have Sid the dummy creeping into Buffy's room at night. And this is why we begin to suspect that Sid is evil. Yes. Yes, we do. That was creepy. Did you... Do you think dummies are creepy? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, like, want them near me. (laughs) They're fine at a distance. Yeah, like... I, I don't think I have the, I don't think that they are, like, as societally feared as clowns, but I think that there's always something incongruous with something, like, really, like, childish or, like, exaggerated features, and the capacity for evil is there. You mentioned clowns, and this is my fifth edgy take of the pod. Oh, take us home. Clowns are not scary. Have you seen it? Yes! It is scary! Have Have you seen it recently? No. Yeah, there you go. Take take, take take a gander. No. Take a gander at old Pennywise. I will never go near a sewage gate ever. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, that's that's reasonable. What scares you? What's like, a hor- what's like a horror trope that does scare you? Cockroaches. You live in Texas. <laughs> They're awful. They're huge. They're like 10 feet tall and they fly. <laughs> Dude, flying cockroaches are terrifying. One time I was taking my dog out to pee and... A cockroach flew into my face, and I got so scared. I screamed like I was being murdered, and nobody came. That feels right. That, that feels right. Yeah. All right, let's finish strong. Okay, so Buffy, fresh from a restless night being tormented by dummies, goes to report her findings to the, to the Slayerettes, and they all laugh at her. And they all really kind of gaslight her. It's not nice. It is not. Morgan goes to get Sid back after school Mm -hmm. from the teacher in the power suit and he's gone and we think oh no he is gonna murder it but really it was just Xander performing some light thievery (laughs) and while I don't enjoy Xander using Sid to torment Buffy I do really enjoy him doing ventriloquism yeah I think it's very funny and charming yeah he He's grown. He's grown. He's definitely grown on me. Yeah. Something else cool about this episode is that there's a lot of ad-lib stuff in it, which isn't necessarily true for a lot of the episodes. Xander uh, gets to really let his freak flag fly when he's doing his ventriloquism. <laughs> when he's making the dummy scream, Red Rom! Red Rom! Oh, Nikki. Yeah, Nikki original. <laughs> and I also really enjoy... When Sid makes his escape from Xander, they notice he's gone. And the first thing all of them do is to, like, climb on top of an object Aww. because they fear him scurrying around the floor. Like a cockroach. <laughs> like a cockroach. That imagery is just so funny to me. <laughs> Morgan's brain gets harvested. Mm-hmm. But we, we realize that the demon is actually very picky about the brains. That it gets. He wants prime USDA quality brains. Wagyu brains. <laughs> and none of that stuff they try to pass off as Wagyu. No like hot dog brains. <laughs> I think the pacing of this episode is a little bit off. Yeah. Because they try to throw in so many twisty turnies that like I, I think it's at the detriment of some of the storytelling and characters in this um in this episode. Yeah. And there are some, like, charming bits. I do think, like, Sid having to tell Giles, like, do a power circle and see who's there. And, like, Giles having to have, like, sensibilities to handle, like, the nerves and the hormones of all these teens performing. Like, that was very funny. There are, like, standout bits, definitely. But as a whole, the pacing was awkward. I think they could have done without one or two twisty tourneys. And given both the talent show and Sid the dummy the attention that they deserved. And maybe not shown Snyder lurking so much. Yeah. Because he really, he really doesn't need all of that. I think that was in service to a plot that really wasn't important. Or they fulfilled his, like, you know, cartoonish evil, like, you know, villainry like, pretty early on. Like, they didn't need to do that. Yeah, so we are now in confirmation. Sid is a demon hunter. We find out about his backstory. He's killed six demons. He's now on the lookout for the seventh. And I thought that was an interesting twist. Yeah, I thought it was also interesting that he knew that when he killed the seventh demon, he would die, his soul would go back to his original body, which has long been dead. Yes. And I think that's a a tragic story that could have been done a lot better than it was. Yeah. Maybe because I'm not picking up on the reference of Sid's personality. No, I, I think that you're right. Like the tragicomedy of it could have been played better if there weren't so many subplots happening at the same time. So we know the demon is looking for a brain and everyone assumes he's going to be looking for Willow mm-hmm. because she's, she's the, the smartest. smartest. Yeah. And I honestly think she is yeah. because Giles willingly straps himself into a brain-removing guillotine While a brain-hunting demon is on the loose. That's when we knew. That's when we knew. We had to watch out for the close-up magician. In my notes, in all caps, I have, of course it's the close-up magician. Mark the magician. (laughs) Close-up magic is a curse. (laughs) However, as always, loved the fight scene, thought it was really clever, and of course... Just the the way that Buffy and the Slayerettes always manage to vanquish their opponent is just so well done. It's always so clever. I I really, really liked Xander showing up at just the right minute. And just like we talked about in the last episode, he doesn't really have any smarts per se, and he's not strong like Buffy, but he always does show up, and I think that is important. <laughs> He was there. He was there. He caught the guillotine blade. He did. And then he continues to hold on to it instead of giving it to Willow so that he can use the axe. Yeah. Again, he was there. He was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this fight. I thought it was a lot of fun. And having the end reveal that they're on the stage and Principal Snyder doesn't understand <laughs> the act. <laughs> See, like there are really funny bits in the episode. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I so in in my mind, this episode and iRobot Eugene hold the same sort of space where they're wacky, kind of throwaway episodes, and they're fun. Um, and and a new character is introduced. I just think overall. I Robot Eugene is a more solid episode that holds up a little better. Also, the like the murder in (laughs) in I Robot Eugene is it's like very earned, so you're like, oh, really surprised, and there's like emotional investment. Mm -hmm. And this one's kind of like all willy nilly. Like you have the principal who's a despot, and you have like potentially a murderous dummy, but actually he's good. And then you have Mark Zuckerberg, and the fact that you know (laughs) the demon doesn't want his brains. And then you have like the murder ballerina like it's just it's just kind of all over the place and I I do think this episode has some of the most delightful and comedic things to happen in season one so far yes but I don't know if it's enough to save the episode should we go should we go ahead and read it let's do it for me I'm gonna say this is low medium yeah and the reason it, it gets the medium bump is because it does have some Truly very delightful moments. I will say it is the highest of the low for me. Yeah, It's low, but there are moments where I giggled. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the only episode where they have a scene playing over the credits. Mm -hmm. Were you able to see that on Hulu? Did it work? Let me go back and look. Over the credits... It's um, Buffy, Xander, and Willow reciting a scene from Oedipus Rex. Stop it. Okay, I have to go back and look. Yeah, as their um, talent show performance. And they, they're they occupying the three different emotional states you can inhabit if you have to participate in a talent show. <laughs> so Buffy is just like over it and doesn't want to be there. Like, mm-hmm. Oedipus, Oedipus, meh, and rolling her eyes. Willow is just like petrified and unable to say anything. And Xander is trying so hard to carry the show, but he's clearly very nervous and he can't remember his lines. I have to say, I think the actor who plays him is so charming because the way that he plays a teenager with stage fright feels so true and so real. I will. I'm making a note to watch it because I, I did not catch that. And then uh, another ad lib is, is that Willow straight up runs away. Aww. <laughs> it's it was it was cute i definitely think it was cute but now that i have experienced other monster of the week episodes i think it could have been done better but i enjoyed it and also we are getting closer to the finale i think we have maybe one more throwaway episode left out of the three that remain in the season (laughs) well there's no one else i'd rather throw away with but with you Lynn Manuel. Call me Lynn Manuel Melissa. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't call me that. I'm so uncomfortable with the topic of LMM just in general. <laughs> I can't walk this line. You know what? Every time you say LMM, I think of M, M-M multi-level marketing. And so <laughs> I am like, I don't think he's a con. <laughs> uh, yeah. So on that note, on that note, All the world's a stage. The show must end now. (laughs) I loved you in Hamlet. (laughs) Let us know what your talent was if you were in a talent show in your youth. I would love to know that. And uh, I will not dig up footage of me dancing to Bye Bye Bye. But maybe one day I'll perform it if we we hit 100 episodes. Yeah, if we do a live show, Aditi will dance to Bye Bye Bye, we'll both crimp our hair, and we'll get matching angel tattoos. Y'all. We're going to do it. Overpromise, underdeliver. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, Lynn Manuel Melissa. <laughs> Good- goodbye forever. <laughs> this is my last pod. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us at Big Mistake Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or at bigmistake at gmail.com that's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Catch with the bronze.